killers, murderers, decoding the crime verse. 911, Welcome back to Decoding the Crime Verse. I'm Danny and I'm here with Nelzi Lee. And this week we are doing something that has sparked my interest on levels like I cannot even begin to tell you. Something um, different. It is very different. It's. I think it's a breath of fresh air. I, I think mean, we need a couple of breaths of fresh but air. But not even just that. a fresh air in terms of our show, but in crime in general. I yeah. Mean, you've heard of hijacking. Yeah. You've heard of robbery. Yeah. You've heard of kidnapping. Yeah. And hostages. And murder. But have you mixed them together? Nah. No, we haven't. Let's go. So this week we are doing the story of D.B. Cooper. It's the only unsolved hijacking case in the history of commercial aviation. On the afternoon of November the 24th, 1971, a man boarded a flight and threatened to detonate a bomb if he didn't receive a hefty ransom. And then parachuting from the aircraft, this man was known, as I've just said, as D.B. Cooper. After a 45-year FBI investigation, his identity, whereabouts, and motive remain unknown. This is the story of D.B. Cooper. On Wednesday, November 24th, 1971, the day before Thanksgiving, a man going by the name Dan Cooper bought a $20 one-way ticket on Northwest Orient Airlines with cash for flight number 305 from Portland, Oregon to Seattle, Washington. Cooper was described as being in his mid-40s and wearing a business suit, a black rain-type overcoat, brown shoes, and a white shirt with a black tie. He carried a dark briefcase and a 4-inch by 12-inch paper bag. Before the plane took off, Cooper was seated in seat 18C and ordered a bourbon and soda. After the plane had taken off a little after 3 p.m., Cooper handed the air hostess a note, which at first she just put in her pocket without looking. But then Cooper said, Quote, Miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. End quote. Cooper told her the bomb was in his briefcase and asked her to sit next to him. He opened his briefcase to show red colored sticks surrounded by an array of wires. After that, Cooper asked the stewardess to write down what he was asking for and take it to the captain. I want $200,000, which in today's terms is roughly around $1.2 million. By 5 p.m., in cash, put into a knapsack. I want two back parachutes and two front parachutes. When we land, I want a fuel tank ready to refuel. No funny stuff, or I'll do the job. One strange detail was that Cooper asked for the $200,000 to be exclusively in $20 bills. The flight landed in Seattle, and Cooper exchanged the 36 passengers on the plane for the money and the parachutes, as he requested. Cooper kept some of the crew members on the plane, and... When, once the plane had taken off for Mexico City, he requested that the, that the plane remain below 10,000 feet for the second half of the flight. Cooper put on dark wraparound sunglasses with, with dark rims, which later became part of the sketch that would become famous one day. After 8 p.m., somewhat when the plane had taken off between Seattle and Mexico, Cooper put on the parachutes and jumped out the rear doors of the Boeing 727 and was never seen again. The FBI called their search for D.B. Cooper one of the longest and most exhaustive in 
investigations in history. As of 2011, the FBI case file measured 40 feet long and covered more than 1,000 suspects. The FBI finally closed the case in 2016, though they are still willing to listen to any possible leads. So he left behind a clip-on tie with a DNA sample. Like, before he jumped, was he like, this is going to hold me back, or was he trying to tease I, the people? Can I just say something? Who wears a clip-on tie? Is that a thing? Well, maybe back in the days. I mean, like, right could, now, could we're you, like clip-on tie. Like, could you imagine James Bond is wearing a clip-on tie? I feel like that just takes away the finesse. If it does, doesn't on, it? Like, like it's not as he, cool. like, pulls it off and... No, it... That, and the case was called No Jack, standing for the Northwest hijacking. That I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, like, I no liked Jack. that. No Jack. No Jack, no Jack. The no Jack, really Jack cool. case. And all the bills that were um, given to him for the ransom, the serial numbers were released. So obviously that if he spent the money, they could identify and hopefully then trace. Although I don't think they ever picked up the many money being spent anyway. That's another thing with this case is if he got all that money, where did he put it? What did he do with it? He was very specific in requesting $20, yeah, $20 bills. bills. So was there somewhere where he knew that he'd be able to maybe exchange that money or overseas maybe he wouldn't have the issue of um, you, spending that money? But you money. can only spend American dollars in America. So... Like, he'd have to have exchanged it for another currency, which then they would have picked up. So, you see, there's no... Unless he went to another country and exchanged it in that other country. Yeah. Like, That's if he came here and he did the exchange of the money yeah. here, I don't know if the FBI would have picked that up. Yeah. But, like, $20 bills. And also, like, $20 bills, that's a lot of money for 200000 like, Yeah. But then it's also easier to spend because then people are not like as suspicious no, when you hand over. I'm just talking about like it's a lot of notes compared to if you ask him in a hundred, you, your mass, like how heavy was his backpack? If it's $20, you're going to have a lot more banknotes than if you had a hundred dollars, right? Do you think while he was falling, he's like, it's too heavy, release, release. If and you then, think <laughs> I would release money, you are mad. I Death would, or money? Money. You have to release some of it no, not to die. I will die with my money. It's I think fine. he was just like, oh, I'm going down. Throwing away no, all the money. You just, not all of it. You some just hijacked it. a plane and now you're going to give your money. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. I would have died for my money. I worked. I didn't work. I committed a crime. I worked for my he money. He did work. He made the bomb. He bought the ticket. He made the plan. That's work. He hijacked a plane. He deserves his money. Guys, again, we don't support these criminals, but... Yeah, shame. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty cool. Too-too. I've always wanted to jump out of plane. Yeah. It's on my bucket list. No, not not, not on mine. What? Because I don't want to die. I want to. You want to die? No, no, no. I want to. <laughs> not what I meant. <laughs> I meant I want to jump we'll, out we'll of plane. We'll just move right along. <laughs> In 1989, years after Cooper had escaped, a young boy found a rotting package filled with $20 bills, which matched the ransom money serial numbers. The amount was 5800 And that is what he found. I think this is when he was releasing yeah, the money. Yeah, this is probably when he released his money. Release! Release! And then... He's not a man. But that's only 6000 You still have more money left. 6000 That's all. What if they did find six thousand in that package and then the boy took the two hundred dollars? Listen, if I found money but okay, all the money if you look at the pictures, it was completely degraded. Oh yeah, it was it, degraded. Like, you can't even use the money. 
Sorry, little boy. You should have found it. I mean, if I found money, you better keep it. <laughs> I'd frame that stuff. I'd be like, this is the money from DB Cooper. Put it on my wall. Do you know how much you can get for six thousand dollars? You saying. can get a lot. I'm just of money. saying. I'm just saying. Um, the year after the hijacking took place, several letters were sent to the FBI. Um, some of them were claiming to be DB Cooper. Some claimed that their brother was DB Cooper. Some one was a eulogy. I was like, oh, that's so random. But that is very random. like that's so random. Um, there were actually two people who impersonated DB Cooper Why? and tried to claim that they were DB Cooper, and even went on like. An interview, but they were actually, they were charged with um, extortion for impersonating. Can I ask something? If you want to get famous, why impersonate a criminal? Because number one, next thing they throw you in prison. But number two, like, if you don't have any proof, who's going to actually believe you? Yeah. Why would your get-rich-quick scheme be to be a criminal? Of all things. Well, impersonate a criminal. Because then you get time as well. That is Yeah, next thing you end up in prison for their crime. Uh, Over 800 suspects were considered. In the first five years. That is only the first five years. I mean, this guy covered his tracks, though. And actually, that's the funny thing. So, if case is known, every, okay, maybe just because I know crime, like the back of my hand, but <laughs> people know who D.B. Cooper is. Yeah. That's not his actual name. Okay, obviously, it's not his name, but yeah. he bought the ticket under the name Dan, Dan. Cooper, and then a reporter made a mistake on news and called him D.B. Cooper and it stuck. What do you think the B stood for? Give it just a random thing. What would you put the D for? B. Bomb. Dan, Dan Bomb. Bomb Cooper. <laughs> I would have gone Dan Bob Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> That's like your neighbor. That's like your very exactly, weird Exactly, and I'm your That's friendly not... neighbor. I'm just going to go Dan on the flies. I have a bomb now. <laughs> That's Could very you imagine? scary. You know what? That's another thing. Imagine you find out your, your neighbor was this person. I'll move house. Me too. Bye. This sketch um, of him is said to be very accurate as there yeah. were um, multiple, multiple witnesses, witnesses and they that all described gave him the same. Very similar. I know they when they did the two air hostesses, they got them in separate rooms and had them draw with completely different sketch artists. And because obviously they spent hours on a flight with him. Yeah. You can take in detail. It's not like you just ran in him, into him in the street. You yeah. actually spent time. When someone tells you you got a bomb, that face is going to stay in your head. Yeah. Saying. Um, but his description um, that was given was that he was five foot to six feet, weighing about 170 to 180 pounds in his mid-40s with brown hair, and his voice was described as low with no particular accent. Apparently, he spoke with very intelligent vocabulary. So, obviously, educated. You can't yeah. be using words like, I don't know, fancy words if you haven't had an education. But... Um, and I think you also have to be quite educated to pull off a hijacking an aeroplane. Yeah. It's not, not a car, not a, anything. It's an aeroplane. It's an aeroplane. And he was very specific in saying, at this point, fly mm. below 10,000. So I think, I think this guy knew what he was doing. He knew aviation very One well. thing, though, can I actually say I was quite cool. So they were originally going to charge him with air piracy. Yeah. But that you could only there, there was a five year limit. So after five years, if he'd come forward, then they would have they couldn't have charged him yeah. anymore. So they actually then charged him under the Hobbs Act, which meant that if DB Cooper was found today, he would get the full sentence of his crimes. Which I thought actually is quite a cool thing. Yeah. You know, sometimes it is a question: how long do these charges stick? Yeah. So I thought that was quite a cool thing that there actually is a thing that no matter how long, if it's a crime like this of a scale like this, you can still. 
be charged. But what's also weird about this case is that he said, let's go to Mexico, but he didn't choose. Um, yeah, he didn't say, let's go to Mexico via use, Texas do you know or what I mean? via Los Angeles. He was just like, go to Texas. Texas. Go, te- Texas. I just said Texas. <laughs> sorry, I meant Mexico. I'm so sorry. So that was like, how did he know he's dropping points? How do you then did have a partner? This? Like, because if you don't know, they could have used any route. Yeah. How do you know that then the person will be waiting in the right spot? Yeah. And so, the pilot specifically took a zigzag, a longer route. That, yeah, so I mean, by I the would. time they got to Mexico, he'd actually be able to get caught. But shame, I think it's also quite funny. Do you know, they didn't even know when he jumped out the plane because he told the aerostasis to go to the cockpit. And next thing, like, when they went out, he was gone. Yeah. Just jumped Guy out jumped the plane. Out. Somewhere halfway through the ride, when they had hit below 10,000 feet, he was like, bye. bye. I'm leaving. And then they money. got to Mexico and they're like, he's in the plane. He was no, not in the not plane. <laughs> Sorry. Tragic. But there were quite a... Um, obviously, now, we cannot go through a thousand suspects. We yeah. will be here till Christmas. Yeah. Um, but there are a couple of theories that we found really interesting that we want to share with you. And so, should I go first? Yeah. Okay, so the first theory was Richard Floyd McCoy. Now, in my honest opinion, I don't think he was D.B. Cooper. I think he was a copycat. Yeah. And the reason I'm saying that is because he was arrested for another hijacking of a plane with a very similar, like, the tat- the tactic, the way he went about it was very, almost identical to the way Cooper had performed his heist. Um, he once again, he hijacked the plane, asked for parachutes. Um, it was the same plane, a Boeing two, uh, 727. Um, also requested four parachutes. He was very calm during the heist. And in the letter he passed to the aerostats, it had the same phrase, no funny stuff. So again, there's lots of similarities. Although, honestly... If I'm going to hijack a plane, I'm not going to do it twice. Yeah. Because that just increases your chances of getting yeah. caught. I mean, I'm going to ask for the money I need, and then you're going to catch me, I don't know, some other country. Yeah. But like, yeah, to do it thing. again. So, oh, however, there was an, another interesting fact. Both crimes were committed while Birmingham Young University was on holiday, which was the... University he, that he went to. But that, then again, then he would have been like in his 20s, not his 40s. Yeah. Because he would have been but a university student. Maybe there are some students that are in their 40s. That is true. Yeah. That is true. But that was just like, okay. Um, he didn't match the descriptions that the flight attendant from the Cooper case had given. And his family said that he was in Utah during the heist that took place on Thanksgiving. Um so, I mean, he was caught after his second, well, his heist, his actual one that was confirmed. And he was sentenced to 45 years in prison where he escaped and then was shot on the beach by FBI agents. Definitely not Dan Cooper because he doesn't have such an anti-climax. Exactly. Theory. But I honestly believe that Richard McCoy was a copycat. copycat. Well done for copying. Yay, points for you. Um, the next one is L.B. No, not Cooper. points for you. Okay. Plagiarism. Okay, don't, we don't plagiarize other people's crimes. He tried and he failed. Be original. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is Lynn Doyle Cooper. And um, his niece actually brought the information forward. Her name is Marlo Cooper. And she claimed that he was D.D. Right. Cooper. Imagine that. You, hey, guys, my uncle. Check him out. Here's his picture. Yeah. This is what he did. 
Um, and every time they try to speak to him about it, he would literally cut off the topic. He didn't want to speak about it. He was a war veteran. That means he would know how to do explosives, planes, everything. Because mm-hmm. uh, they parachuting. taught at a parachuting. They taught at the training. Um, he faded away from their lives after that. He claimed that he was Yo, planning. I, I know the, the, the niece said she didn't see him yeah. after the heist. Never saw him again. Like, yeah. t- until she found out that he had died. Yeah. Like, just disappeared into the background. <laughs> and he said he was planning something mischievous the day before. He le- left that morning saying he's going turkey hunting. And he came back bloody and bruised. And he said he'd been in a car accident. Car accident. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and um, his, her mom and her dad, Mala Cooper, kept saying, don't you remember he, your uncle? He's the one that um, hijacked, hijacked that, that plane. plane. Which uh, is like, ah. Uh, and he was obsessed with a comic character named Dan Cooper. Which is also very interesting. Yeah. But um, I didn't know also, it was a comic book character, honestly. I didn't know that. Yeah. Marla Cooper as well said that um, the day after when he came back, she actually heard them speaking. And he was speaking about the fact that they needed to go back into the woods to get the money oh, that is left, left in there? the woods. But, like, how, like, what are the chances that your favorite comic book character has the same surname as you? Right. And honestly, why would you use your own surname? Change your surname, guys. So it wouldn't be D.B. Cooper. It would be L.D. Cooper. Is this the man? Is and it? when I looked I at know. his picture, he looked like um, he looked like the sketch. My only concern mm. was his hair was just a bit longer than the guy in the sketch. So yeah. like, did he like cut his hair, jolly his hair? What happened? The other person we have is Robert Rackshaw. So he was also in the army and he actually was in the 1st Cavalry Division during the Vietnam War. Trained again in explosions and parachuting. And my thing with him is that every time the police asked him, he was like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Like, would he be doing that for also, fame or did Yeah, he do that's it? my thing. But he also said he's the only person who could ever solve the case. Yeah. But again, that again, is he then just clawing for, fla- for flame? Fame. For fame. <laughs> my word. Um, but he was also kicked out of the army. Um, and he was actually, he didn't have an innocent past. He was stood trial for his father's death, which he was acquitted for. But then he faked his death. So. A guy that can fake his death. A guy can fake his death. There's a murder trial. He possibly committed a murder. He mm. got kicked out of the army for lying. And he was described as having a criminal mindset, like a person who thinks about crime and stuff like that. But um, And there was many uh, accounts of him like beating up people and like having weapons. So is this just a bad guy who wanted more fame by claiming he might be D.B. Cooper? Or was it D.B. Cooper? We don't know. We don't his, know. His picture is quite creepy, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> a creepy face. <laughs> but, oh, this is another very interesting fact about him, is that there were two notes sent to the FBI. Okay, The first was claimed to be by a Swiss pilot called Norman de Winter, who was vacationing, vacationing in Oregon. Okay, And... When they asked the residents of this town, they said that he very much resembled what um, Rackstraw looked like. And, um, well, Norman de Winter vanished the day before the hijacking. And then the second letter was said to have held army encryptions. And they said 
the the encryptions that were in the messages yeah. were very much what he would have done in Vietnam. Yeah. So it was very implicating, but again, no solid evidence. We don't actually have. Is the was there no Cooper. solid evidence, or is there cover? I feel like that's always with the cases we choose. There's never any solid evidence. It's right. Circumstantial, which is actually so irritating. FBI, <laughs> do your job. <laughs> Tell us what you're doing, but also please don't come after us. Please, we love our families, and I'm so scared of dying, and I, I'm scared of you. Um, she said it, not me. Did you just okay, under the so bus? now we. Uh, no, <laughs> thanks, Celine. <laughs> that did not is. just happen. <laughs> but the thing is, did he actually survive the fall? Did he? Do you? I, think- I think if he didn't survive the fall, all those body searches would have. Yeah, you would have found the parachute. Parachute. You would have found the bags of money. Something. You would have found six thousand dollars and nobody. And that wasn't even when he jumped. Yeah. Nah, but yeah, you see, my thing is okay. Now people originally like, oh, he had to be this trained person because he parachuted out of a plane. Yeah. But then the theory was like, no, he can't be this trained person because no trained person would have jumped in the middle of night in rain with these heavy winds, wearing the clothes. Apparently, he was wearing loafers. Yeah. It's not shoes you jump out of a plane with. Yeah. But was he just masquerading as a very unskilled or was he unskilled? We don't know actually what happened after he sent um, everyone to the cockpit. Exactly. We don't know. He could have changed. We don't know. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. All they saw was him with the dark glasses taking off his tie, Mm. but he could have packed his stuff away in his bag. Exactly. And you could have like jumped. We don't know what happened thereafter. And the bodies never found. That's my thing. There would have been a body if they had dog searchers or police searchers out in the area around where they think he jumped. Yeah. You would have found something Something. if he survived. But we actually have a recording of a possible witness. Um, Basically, this man was, he was a kid back then, was at a bar and this guy came up to him and, well, we're going to play you the track, but from what it sounds like, could this have been D.B. Cooper? And I'm sitting there drinking coffee, and this man walks in. He's soaking wet. Got black slick back hair, a black suit, white shirt, no tie, black pants. You know, I mean, just a whole suit, black penny loafers. And he comes up to me, and he says, kid, he says, where am I? I said, well, you're about four miles east of Cleellum. He said, if I make a phone call, he says, could you give this friend of mine directions how to get here to pick me up? I said, sure, no problem. So he went over, he dialed a number, handed me the phone, and then he came over and sat down alongside of me, and he says, well, thanks for your help, kid. And he said, well, don't worry about your coffee, kid. He says, I'll take care of it. Shook hands with the man. I got out and got in the truck, and I left. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But, well, then there's another question. Yeah. Was it an inside job? I say... Um, I wouldn't say it was an inside job. I would say it's people who knew aviation now, now the re- very okay, well. Now, the theory that comes with the inside job, and I think I've debunked this. I yeah. think I've decoded this theory. But the one theory was, if you look at the tie he left behind, there were very specific chemicals on that tie. Yeah. Um, particularly, um, uh, guys, these elements are always so <laughs> funny, but... Cerium, strotanium, sulfide, pure titanium. And apparently, now these are very rare elements. Yeah. You don't just find them. I mean, like in your normal average setting, you're not going to just find titanium. Yeah. It's not a thing, right? The interesting thing was both of these elements, all the, all the elements they found on the tie, were being used at Boeing to, um, 
to build, I think they were working, developing, developing and advanced, some and new, advanced on a, yeah. transport plane. Yes. So all these elements are found at Boeing and they were on his tie. But here's my question. Did, now, we already commented on his clip-on tie. Did he just maybe take a tie and get those elements on it from Boeing or whatever and then leave it there on purpose to be like, yeah, it was an inside job to kind of throw them off? Yeah. Or did he actually work for them? I feel like if he actually worked for them, it might be stupid to leave a tie. It would have been stupid to leave the tie, but if you're trying to find out... You see, my thing was everything was so thought out and then he leaves a tie. So for me, I feel like the tie he was left to on throw purpose. Them off. And I think that was to be like, oh, hey, I work for Boeing. But then he wouldn't have had access to all of those things. So would it then not be a someone I know works but there, they, give but, me your no, tie? No, but apparently they said that with the amounts of like the amounts of these materials, he wouldn't have been someone who was like on the factory floor, it would have been like a manager or someone like that. You never know. He could have arranged a meeting. Yeah. He could have... Maybe he knew someone who worked at Boeing. Yeah. Stole their tie. Yeah. Kind of thing. Again, but th- that was my thing about this theory. He leaves... The one piece of evidence he leaves has this much evidence on it. Yeah. Like... And that's incriminating evidence. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's only so many people work for Boeing. And FBI, did you investigate this theory? Because yes, FBI, did you do it? Guys, I feel like the FBI is going to come after me. Once now. again, it wasn't me that said anything. I you don't just want... asked them. Huh? You were the one who's questioning <laughs> them now. Not me. Don't come. Don't throw me on the bus. Okay. I will drag you down with me. I, I, I questioned you, but it was at the... The we're questioning you to make you better. Yeah. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. But can we, we can all grow together. Can we just talk about the fact that when this case was closed, the case file stacked up to a whole 40 feet. Do you know how tall 40 feet is? Yeah. 40 but feet. I mean, if you have over um, 800 suspects. That is true. That is a lot of evidence. That is a lot of digging up that on those true. people. And each person, um, you've got to do deep dives and all of that. But still, are you telling me out of 800 people that you considered, you not couldn't one, find one person not one. that was D.B. Cooper? Again, not questioning you for bad Here's intent. Here's a random question, Olene. If you hijacked a plane, where would you go to spend your money and live out the rest of your days? Random question. I cannot tell you that because if I do plan to hijack a plane... Where is your plane, second place? Okay. Where in the first place? <laughs> okay, my second place would be... Ah, oh, Can I tell you my third, just in case? Yeah, I'll also do my third. Uh, my third place would be Cuba. It's beautiful. Cuba? Yeah. That's real nice. Yeah. I didn't think about that. That would be my third place, just by the way. Don't I'm go looking for me I'm just trying to think. Then. I'm trying to order them. I know my top one. I'm just trying to think my second. Mm. Hmm. 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 To be honest, probably. You know what? I would go to Kenya. Kenya? Yeah. It's a beautiful place. Lots of giraffes in Kenya. Then. <laughs> So I'm going to Kenya. <laughs> um, but just to conclude this case. Uh, this man I, was epic. It was epic. And this is the first case we've done where the mystery hasn't been solved and we haven't been able to solve it Yeah, either. I mean, normally we've kind of come up with some type of thing. Like, yeah. I mean, I can't see how any of the suspects we put, brought but, forward. Danny, if the FBI would give us a week with all of those files... No, li- we okay, here's a request. Would find it. Whoever runs the FBI, Mr. Director, man. Please. 
Give us a week. No, One may, week. maybe not a week. Two weeks. Two weeks. We will fly down to Washington. Uh-huh. We will come and we will sit in your building. Yes. And we will solve this case for you. Don't kill us while we're there. Yes, we'll do it. We will do it. <laughs> free of charge. Yes. Okay, maybe pay me pay me in coffee, but free of charge. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta stay awake. But I really enjoyed this case. I'd always known about it, but going into it, it was actually a lot more interesting yeah. about how it actually happened, how we pulled it off. I yeah. mean, it's not easy to hijack a plane. Yeah. And I mean, especially nowadays because security and stuff has shot up and yeah. stuff like that. But this man, I give him points. Thank you, sir. I appreciate, again, it's not, he's not a role model, but he is one of the guys in the top uh-huh. of my books. We appreciate him for giving us such interesting stories. And my sir, if you were caught, I would want you to go to Alcatraz. But I'm glad you weren't caught because it makes the story even more interesting. But from Nalzi Lee. Yes, and don't forget, if you want to see any of the photos associated yes. with this case, to go to our Instagram uh-huh. at Decoding the Crimeverse. It will all be there. But for now, we're going to leave you. So from Danny and Nolene, rest in peace. <laughs> Like what you're listening to? Follow us on Twitter at ActiveFM, Instagram at ActiveFM777, and Facebook at forward slash ActiveFM.